it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm so glad you're with us on this Wednesday. A lot going on. Not that I ever expected to be in the middle of a highly classified document scandal with the current administration, but they've handled it so hideously, along with making bad decisions along the way that brought us to this point. That's exactly what the deal is. This arrow, brought by Rich Lowry, thought it was fascinating to see uh, the president's uh, party, maybe it was his idea, instead of, instead of just coming out and saying, instead of just coming out and saying, uh, this is the deal. This is where the documents were. This is why they were there six, for the last six years. Uh, when I was vice president, this is why I took them. This is why they were in the garage. This is why they're in the separate locations. This is why I sent my 80-year-old attorney to pack up my office. Instead, they decide to give the press secretary almost no information, and little by little, the story changes as more documents come, uh, come to the fray. And before we get to the big three, my final point was they have an idea. Let's blame Republicans for being secretive about the deal that Speaker McCarthy caught to be Speaker. Really? That's the best you got? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. I had a conversation with the governor of Texas about him, but with Greg Abbott, where he was explaining to me what George Soros does. And it's terrifying. It's like he wants these cities to fall apart. He, he wants crime to flourish. He's evil. George Soros unmasked Media Research Center finds out who has sold out their soul to this anti-American evil baron and why it has to stop. Number two. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial. John Kerry, when will he just go away? Debt ceiling, the WEC, crypto and the economy, where we are at in this nation and why Davos, where the WEC is taking place, is everything we don't want to be. Number one. You know, when I said that the FBI didn't do a thing, I was talking about doing something in terms of actual searches and securing these documents. It means that all those initial discoveries, we will have to take the word of counsel of how they were found, the conditions they were found in. It's unbelievable. Jonathan Choley's never heard anything like it, and I certainly haven't. No, you go ahead. The DOJ decides against letting the FBI find and grab classified Biden documents. After all, why not let Joe's boys lead the look-see? Did you still need me to compare and contrast the different ways Trump was treated? We have the latest. So in case you don't know, around 5 o'clock, I was doing the 5 yesterday, the Wall Street Journal, about to do my segment and I was hosting the, it was the B block. So it was like 510. They said, Brian, check your email. And it was a mess. It was a breaking story from the Wall Street Journal. The FBI was, the DOJ thought about having the FBI follow the lawyers, the Joe Biden's lawyers into his garage, into his house, into his offices, wherever those documents might be. But they thought better of it. What? 
because they said they were dealing with this. They were dealing. The Biden team was dealing with this so honestly and above board. They saw no reason to get the windbreakers out, have the FBI follow and at least supervise the examination of all the records in his garage by his Corvette, by his secret room in his house and anywhere else that Joe Biden might keep top secret documents, which can be anywhere else. For the last four days, we've seen revelation after revelation. So they did think about the Department of Justice having the FBI do it, but they said they don't want to. Their explanation defies logic and reason. Why would you not have the FBI supervise if you want to back off and say sitting president want to be respectful, but you admitted that you had classified documents that would have put any other Marine or CIA guy or woman into jail. You did it. You haven't explained why you did it. You haven't asked to find out if you're the president of the United States. What is actually in the documents that they found in your Biden Center office at the University of Pennsylvania in Washington. So you have no idea what it is. So you don't want to answer any questions. The next day, November 2nd, November 6th, they find more documents. December 20th, they find more documents. January 5th, they find more documents. And over the weekend, they found more documents. That's being above board, above board enough that the FBI isn't called in to supervise this sudden discovery of top secret documents that when the archives found out about it, they called the DOJ. It's insane. So I don't understand the explanation. I probably never will. But I think it was significant, as much as I have great confidence and my self-esteem is high, I don't, I'm not a law professor at GW, at George Washington University. Jonathan Turley is. Cut eight. Well, I think there's really great concerns here. You know, when I said that the FBI didn't do a thing, I was talking about doing something in terms of actual searches and securing these documents. The fact is that when it came to searching for the documents, they continued to say, no, use your private counsel, uncleared, unknown persons. They were doing the interviews. They were uh, eventually assigning a U.S. attorney to look at this. But the documents themselves, the search for those documents, remained in private counsel's hands. And that works to the advantage of the president. It means that all those initial discoveries, we will have to take the word of counsel of how they were found, the conditions they were found in, whether they were observable. You know, in the story, and I encourage you to read it, because I I don't understand the explanation. They said that they expect this to be a long investigation, and they don't want it to be hostile. And if it does get hostile, the FBI wanted the ability to search other properties. And they thought maybe with this approach, that that would allow them to get a search warrant in the future. Now, I know it's tremendously risky for a lawyer, an attorney, to go hide top-secret documents to help their client avoid further scrutiny or trouble. But you can't say it's out of the question. Why not remove the possibility? And we still don't know why they decide to pack up the office and why you send your 80-year-old attorney to pack up your office. doesn't happen. I mean, if you pack up your office, find this stuff. And then you call your radio attorney. That makes sense. But by the press secretary not answering any questions, it makes it so much worse. And especially when she comes out and says documents were found over the weekend, that's it. Documents were found again, that's it. Documents were found on Saturday, that's it. And even the, the reporters were asking, are you insulted that you came out here and what you said turns out not to be true? Cut one. Last week, um, you told I think it was Phil that we all can assume, the American people could assume that the searches were complete and all the documents had been recovered. Uh, on Saturday, the White House Counsel's Office uh, uh, said that five additional classified documents had been found. 
Um, is it safe to assume now that all the documents are uh, have been recovered, all the official records, all the classified documents are back in the custody of the National Archives, or are more searches underway to find out if there's anything else there? Look, I, I understand your question. We have addressed multiple questions from here. Multiple questions have been answered by the president. We're not. I'm not going to comment from here. It's not a, you cannot not comment. What do you mean you're not going to comment? That was a perfectly clear question. He's got to write a story. He's got to do a story. He's got to present a story. Everything that you've said been proved to be, was, was dispelled by Saturday. So he's saying, did you find all the documents? All you could say is the search is ongoing. We thought that was it. We were surprised to get what we got. When the, when the investigation is complete, the special prosecutor's done, I'll expand on more. But to say I'm not going to comment is it's not an option. For Ari Fleischer, Dana Perino, Kaylee McEnany, um, Jen Psaki, not one of them would have answered that way, which leads me to agree with Mark Thiessen again. Cut to. She is so bad at her job. I mean, this is constantly the worst White House press secretary I've ever seen in my lifetime. She's terrible. Uh, to say, well, people are also concerned about the economy. This, they just spent months telling us that Donald Trump was the most irresponsible person in the world for having classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And they, the New York Times literally made a 3D model where you can go to the New York Times webpage and show search where the documents were and how close they were to visitors. And now they're dismissing it that there were documents in Joe Biden's, uh, Joe Biden's garage. Not just Joe Biden's garage, the Penn Biden Center hosted international students, had classes. It was, it was Tony Blinken's uh, office in the interregnum during the Trump years. Did he have any foreign visitors there? We need to get to the bottom of this, and they need to take this seriously. It's so <laughs> Because uh, what you missed is, at one point, so the American people care about the economy, and the economy's good. Right. It's exasperating. So I'm going to come back, take your calls. I know you have a lot to say. one 408 you don't have to agree with me. You might think the Wall Street Journal story that told the FBI to back off is exactly the way to do it. Uh, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. And we'll talk about John Kerry just embarrassing himself again. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We've always heard the, the cartels are in charge of the border, charge of the border. And how soon till they thought they think they could function in America? Uh, maybe the answer is they're here and they're functioning because we saw a horrific story. A shooter stood over a 16-year-old mom, clutching her in a 10-month-old, clutching in her arms was a 10-month-old baby, and they pumped bullets into her head execution style. Either this is an American gang, heartless, Killers or a targeted attack by a cartel. Uh, Matt Finn's covering the story out in Los Angeles. It's all happened in California where the border, even according to the governor, is wide open. Uh, Matt, this is a horrific story. It's something we hear about in Mexico. 
We don't usually hear much about stuff like this here. Yeah, Brian, it is horrific. That's one of the words that the Tulare County Sheriff used. He says it was a deliberate massacre of this family. Uh, Six people killed, including a 72-year-old grandmother, her 16-year-old granddaughter, and that 16-year-old 10-month-old child. It happened on Monday. Six family members were killed. Three survived, including one person who intentionally hid and made the 911 call. The gunfire was so intense that that call was initially treated as an active shooter. The sheriff says that this home was known for gang activity. There was just a search warrant conducted at the house earlier this month. Uh, Not clear who the intended target was uh, within that home, but the 16-year-old girl and her 10-month-old baby were not the target. The sheriff of Tulare County says cartels are in his county. They're there for multiple reasons, including selling drugs. Uh, He says there's a lot of back and forth when it comes to the cartels and movement up and down the state of California, and he partially blames that cartel movement on an, quote, unsecure border right now, Brian. Right. Uh, I mean, Matt, do you kind of think this was inevitable? But have you heard other reports about this, that possibly cartels functioning, intimidating and executing in our country? Well, there is um, a, a small border town official telling Fox News that the Mexican cartel continues to smuggle drugs uh, and even violent criminals into the United States. I can tell you when I'm down on the southern border uh, in Texas that we are constantly reporting on the fentanyl that is crossing uh, in the border uh, across the border, and also, you know, all of the coyotes uh, who are directing and organizing, you know, the large groups of illegal migrants into the United States. They are being enriched uh, because the coyotes are being enriched. So are the cartels, Brian. So do you think they're taking out the American gangs and, and taking over with the, this, this illicit trade, uh, drugs and, and human trafficking? Well, the Tulare County Sheriff says it's not confirmed that this massacre was a cartel, but he says that it has all the fingerprints and the signs of either gang relation or a cartel relation, uh, and that he says that the, 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 the victims knew the, the suspects. These people knew each other, so it absolutely was a massacre. It was a shootout. What the motive or the agenda was is not clear right now. So I know what politicians say, and I know the uh, the president of the United States doesn't even want to talk about the border. But, Matt, out on the West Coast, is there a problem that people see with the number of illegal immigrants? We know it's a problem in New York City, a sanctuary city. Is there a problem amongst the everyday people who aren't knee-deep in this like we are on an everyday basis? Is this a buzz in the backyards? Well, I mean, I can tell you firsthand when I go down to the border, uh, I've made four or five trips down to the southern border in Texas. Um, there is a constant number of uh, thousands plus illegal migrants uh, entering into the United States every day. And you and I know there's now been hundreds of thousands of gotaways. Those yep. are the people who intentionally evade authorities. They don't want to be seen. And if you watch Fox News, you will see the video almost every single day of hundreds, if not thousands, of migrants crossing the United States. Authorities point out most of those people are surrendering. Most of those people want to work. They want a better life. It's the gotaways that are the problem because they are evading authorities. And and we know that some people on the FBI most wanted list have slipped through the cracks. So I think, Brian, it's a nationwide problem because we know that these migrants end up in just about every or do end up in every single state in this country. So it's not just a West Coast thing. Of course, you hear about it out here, but it's all over the country. You and I know, as we've been reporting for quite some time, and authorities uh, and, and mayors of these small border towns in Texas, in Arizona, will tell you that it, you know, th- this is not just our problem. It is now yours because these these gotaways are slipping through the cracks and they're ending up all over the country. In Washington, D.C., there's a Council of Mayors meeting, a big conference. They're all in there. 
Most of them are Democrats. The, the 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is not far away. Hopefully, they'll go over and tell the real story on the ground uh, to the president of the United States because he's the only one who can make something happen. Uh, Matt Finn, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Wade is listening on KMZE in Oklahoma City. Hey, Wade. Today. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, well, Biden and all these secret documents. Now, when the raid happened on Mar-a-Lago, they would not allow his residence lawyers in there. However, they're now allowing President Biden's lawyers, who do not have security clearances, to go and look and find all these documents. My concern is, is when all this and when they start calling these lawyers in front of Jim Jordan's committee, they're going to start screaming lawyer client privilege. And we're not going to get any answers. Yeah, uh, that could be that could be the case. I mean, that was pretty much the OJ case. Kardashian knew uh, OJ killed him, but when he made him a part of his legal team, he no longer could speak. That could be the case. But there is there's so much going on right now. Think about this. We don't love the fact that he had the highly classified documents. We know they're highly classified. And let's say there's something like Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has cancer. All right. We're not supposed to know that. And it would definitely affect policy. But it's not going to affect. That's not going to do anything except for make Joe Biden look bad that he would actually hold on to these documents. But can you imagine if these documents led to a bigger story about the Biden uh, interests in other countries, about things that he had directly mostly- hand on? I mean, why? If, imagine if they were if they're arbitrary, it's still bad. But if there's a if there's a method to the. Uh, to the capture of these documents, this could be so much bigger. And that's why we need to find out what's in them while not sacrificing our national intelligence. Wade, uh, I know we're trying to think around the corner, but this is uh, this is just beginning. Jerry, listen to WHIO. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Really enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh, on this topic, here's my here's my thought process. So since the classified documents have been found, things have been really turning on Biden and his party. I, I just see indicators when CNN's getting arrested. There's so many indicators. My point being, he's a sacrificial lamb. He's going to probably get put out of office, and that gives him power to keep Trump out of office. That's my thought. What say you? Hmm. Well, I mean, I didn't think Biden was going to beat Trump the last time. And he had to have the he had to have something crazy like a pandemic. He would have to be in a situation where he didn't have to campaign. He would have been in a situation where he gave a very few interviews, uh, very few substantive debates. It was only two. The first one, the president was actually positive with covid and kind of blew it. It was way too aggressive. So he did win the last time. So if you are a Democrat, why don't you think you can win this time? So I don't know who's out there. Who's there, Ron DeSantis, the up-and-coming star? Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The press loves Barack Obama. Let's be clear. They've loved him. Ever since he ran for president, they loved him through his entire presidency. They love him today. They don't want to 
tarnish him or his legacy, whatever that may be. That's what this is about. And this is why the American people are sick and tired of big media. They just want it called down the middle. Just call the balls and strikes. Don't try to don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to shade it. Don't try to go after your personal enemies and use media to do it. Just be forthright and direct. Right. And we're seeing the two different circumstances with Trump and Biden. Yeah, there's some differences, but the FBI backing out and letting Joe Biden's personal attorney go through his stuff. That's a good move. And that's a fair move. Rich Lowry, editor of Nash Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich, welcome back. Ryan, how's it going? You understand what Byron uh, Donalds is saying. I think people, the moderates, not the left, but the moderates and Republicans are saying, really? I mean, this is such an obvious difference on something extremely similar. Uh, you have no shame. Yeah, if they're playing by the same rules, the FBI would have gone into the garage, would have gotten the classified uh, documents, would have splayed them out on the hood of the Corvette, would have taken some evidence photos that would have been immediately leaked and spread on social media and in the media to uh, to dramatically illustrate how irresponsible Joe Biden was. And of course, that didn't happen. I, and I just never, you know, I I, um, I think you're having Andy McCarthy on later, so you can ask him about this. But when has the FBI said, no, we're not going to get involved? That would just complicate things, you know, <laughs> complicate the investigation. We can't do that. It just seems bizarre. You know, one of the statements was, right now, we don't want to create hostility. Really? Since when do you care about hostility? The FBI hostility? Get the stuff back. I thought this was national security. Yeah, and, and if they're cooperative, that would seem more reason not to worry about hostility or complicating things. Just just go in there, cooperate, and they'll give it to you. Fine. You know, no fuss, no muss. But um, th- this is obviously, you know, a, a major theme since the, the Russia hoax is the disparity of, of treatment of Trump and Republicans and the other side, and it's why it just it's almost impossible to see now how they can pot, uh, indict Trump. And it's not just a disparity with with Biden. The the ultimate, the the worst of the three um, uh, uh, presidents or presidential candidates who mishandled classified documents is Hillary Clinton. Was was uh, yeah. um, deliberate. You know, she set up her homebrew server explicitly to uh, get get her, get around sunshine laws and, and and the like. And if they they didn't indict her, they there's no way they can indict Trump, and they can't indict a, a sitting president. So Biden's obviously not going to get prosecuted. So you know how it is. Uh, you want to get to the bottom of this, but if you, all you are is about investigations, especially after the uh, after the tumultuous way they elected Speaker McCarthy, there's an excellent chance come the next election they go, oh, the Republicans aren't ready to lead. Here's what John Radcliffe says should be the investigative approach to this whole thing. Cut 10. Now a Republican um, uh, controlled house can conduct investigations that will show some of these details. And, you know, Judge, you know, as the former DNI, you know, I would be doing um, the national security damage assessment for this. And in the case Ah. of Joe Biden, as, as we've just talked about, that's why it's gotten so much worse. Everything that we've talked about, um, the implications you know, part part of that calculation, Judge, is not just the, the number of documents, top secret documents, but who may have potentially had access to that. And in the case of Hunter Biden, you have Ukrainian oligarchs, you have Chinese Communist Party associates, you have paid prostitutes, you have all sorts of unsavory characters, you know, at locations that we keep the, we keep finding day after day. So so this is what they're this is how you investigate. But you'd have to do it in a way where you're going to be, be able to get some information Where's the cooperation going to come from? 
Well, now they, they obviously they have the shield of the special counsel investigation, so they'll, they'll say this is uh, under investigation and we can't talk about it. Classic Washington uh, play, so I'm not sure how much cooperation they're going to get. I have to say, the the end of the day, you know, I, I want classified documents to be handled correctly, but it always seemed insane to me when you had the media saying, you know, oh, Trump had these, these documents at Mar-a-Lago, and there are Saudis visiting Mar-a-Lago, so maybe he's selling them to the Saudis. No, he's not. You know, he had them locked away somewhere. Uh, probably didn't even know entirely what he had. And I think it's the same thing with Biden. You know, Biden didn't know the documents were in the garage. There's no way Hunter Biden knew they were in the garage or anyone else knew they were in the garage. And even if someone did, um, you know, it's doubtful if any of these documents involved, you know, nuclear codes or anything that highly sensitive. So, yes, um, this is a, a, a legal violation. Yes, let's take it seriously. But let's not spin ourselves into fanciful scenarios. It's very unlikely that uh, either guy was was involved in conduct that really, at the end of the day, would fundamentally harm our national security, at least I believe. Right. Uh, unless those documents reveal part of what we saw on Hunter Biden's laptop, part of some of these uh, investigations swir- and the lack of ethics swirling around Joe Biden, the private citizen, and even when he was vice president, if you believe that he met with Carlos Slim in Mexico mm-hmm. City, you know he's meeting with uh, executives over in Ukraine. So if some of those documents back up these stories, that is something. And I also thought it was pretty noteworthy that CNN did about a six-minute piece today on Biden's family's questionable ethics, something mm-hmm. you would see Miranda Devine write about mm-hmm. or Tucker Carlson talk about or things that happen on our show between us. What is significant about that, Rich? You always do a good job at looking ahead the next move. Well, I, I think um, one this story there, there's there's been a, the way there always is there's been a disparate treatment. It would be even more thermonuclear coverage if it involved a, a Republican. But you know that said, it, it's not just Peter Ducey asking the tough questions at yeah. the briefings on this one because everyone knows it's an embarrassment. Everyone uh, reporters are always sensitive to you know stuff being withheld. We weren't told about this when they discovered it a couple days after the election. We weren't told uh, everything um, that they had initially, even after the first disclosure about the Penn Center, and there's still a lot of uh, obvious questions. You know, what was the lawyer doing looking around in the closet at the Penn Center in the first place? Who discovered uh, the the documents in the garage, et cetera, et cetera? So, you know, I, I think the press has been on to that. This is the, the key thing, though, in the, the so-called Hunter Biden investigation, which is obviously, as we've talked about many times, and as James Comer makes very clear, is really a Biden uh, corruption investigation, that if, if they can get the press to actually take it seriously, that would be an enormous victory. So I'm not sure why CNN had that segment. Um, maybe it's something kind of uh, shaken loose by the classified document story and, and how um, the press has kind of taken that more seriously. Um, but that 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 is that's a danger to to Biden. He he wants the, he needs the press to play its usual sort of blocking role and say no, this is you're making it up or it's not important or you're personally obsessed uh, and you're overreaching, which is still you know where I think most of the press is going to be. But that that's an interesting straw on the wind from CNN. So let's look at Davos if we can. Uh, they, they say the buzz about one world government has died down to a degree, but they're all talking about green energy. But uh, I don't see that having much traction in a place that's been. Uh, overrun by the number one story, and that's the Ukrainian war. And mm-hmm. especially how serious do we take them when 500 of these so-called elite executives are telling us to go green, get a windmill while they fly in on their private jet, yep. many of which could have taken a train 
and yep. would have been within 60 miles. Some One guy took a private jet 15 miles. Yep. So why are they – I mean, they continue to, to do this and not understand that, that we're you, watching. You ever, uh, you've probably been on a private jet once or twice, right, Brian? Yeah. There's the, if, I had, if I had a private jet and, and had to travel across town, I'd, I'd fly on my private jet. <laughs> it's In two so seconds. convenient. It's a status symbol. You know, it makes you feel important. Um, yeah, but it's, it's obviously a gross hypocrisy. And the uh, uh, the Ukraine war just showed the idiocy of German and European uh, energy policy prior to the the war. Now they've managed to make this a, a enormous shift in almost no time, where they're they're more heavily relying on U.S. energy than Russian energy, which is an enormous deal. You know, the, the uh, we all thought going into the winter, wow, you know, Europe could go could go cold, could go dark, and the uh, the coalition against Russia might crumble on the basis of it. That's that hasn't happened, and that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah, right. And the Germans fired their defense minister, and I think they're going to start sending in some tanks. Uh, and we know the UK is doing that, and we know we've pledged to do that. Maybe give the Ukrainians to go out win instead of uh, not lose. So, real quick, George Soros, you know about his evil intent. Uh, the Media Research Center has done a study, and they found at least 54 influential media figures through groups funded by liberal billionaire George Soros to perhaps do something, for example, ignore, look the other way at some of his liberal practices of putting these DAs in there to allow criminals to run wild or to push his foreign policy. Among those people on the take, they claim Christine Omnipore of CNN, uh, Sally Busby of The Washington Post, PolitiFact editor uh, Angie Drobnik, Holland, and Bloomberg News co-founder Matthew Winkler, as well as Lester Holt of NBC. All of them are taking a little of George Soros' money to spend his massive, ugly, anti-American message. Where do you think this is going? Uh, I haven't seen the report yet, so um, you know the question is what what is the nature of this support? And I, I imagine you know Chris, Christine Amapour's show is um, uh, donor supported, and Soros money go, goes to that, and goes. I mean, there's so much of it; it it's uh, um, go, goes to a lot of other similar such enterprises. And, you know, it's like you don't really need to buy Christine Amapour off to have a progressive <laughs> worldview, but, it, you know, it helps her, you know, it helps keep her on the air if you have that, that, that money um, backing her. So this is kind of just, you know, a, a blob of, of people who all, all um, think the same thing and um, are, are progressives and might style themselves uh, truth-telling, fact-based journalists, but at the end of the day are driven by an agenda that is similar to Soros's. Right. Yeah, George Soros is on more for to like crime rage supreme in this country than anybody else it seems uh we'll follow that maybe this will appear in a column for rich lowry in the national review thanks so much rich awesome thanks so much brian all right listen we come back i'll take your phone calls 1-866-408-7669 we'll discuss that and so much more this is the brian kilmeade show expanding your knowledge base it's the brian kilmeade show From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. How many people are watching The Tonight Show? Take a number. A million a night? I don't know what the numbers are. I, I Let's guess. I'd say 750,000. I mean, if Gutfeld's these guys, they're putting out a dog program, dude. <laughs> I watch Gutfeld. That's nuts, dude. He's the number one guy. DeRosa was just on. It was Gutfeld? so funny. Okay. Dude, it one, made me so happy. 1.3 million viewers. There you go. You Less than half the viewers of Gutfeld. 
Dominant. Fallon had 30 million subscribers on his YouTube channel, but this does not drive advertising rates for the show. His YouTube channel's way better than the show. Yeah, because they just do clips of it. Yeah, they get famous people on and get a clip. That'll get you views. But, like, Gutfeld's out there just slinging. Bro. Isn't it crazy? Just form an alternative to what everyone's shoving down your throat. And this, you know, it's like the same thing on every network. The same kind of jokes about the same kind of people. And these are the dummies. And this is like, and then on his show, he's just got a bunch of Looney Tunes. And it's amazing how much more popular it is than those other network shows. That's Isn't who- it crazy that they, the, the Democrats haven't figured out how to do a show like that? We just get comics and sit around and talk yeah. and bring people on. Yeah around and that's your talk show and you review the news together where you yeah. all mock it you read something that biden did and everybody's like bah! yeah and and that is so true and you know we always talk about the late night shows here even before greg gutfeld got the job but greg has been funny on saturday night she was funny on red eye you so i used to know it and i used to tell you about it allison because i'm coming we were both coming in roughly i got you you come in like two hours later than me yeah so i'm be. in I was doing this. The show tapes at like 10. So I did the show a few times. And then I'd come in at 3 o'clock, and it would be hysterical. I used to be like, do people know that Red Eye is on because it was it was risque and everything? And then he did Saturday nights. And then Suzanne Scott, this great idea, let's roll it out five nights a week, move Shannon Bream to midnight. And his monologue for 12 minutes, and it just leaves, you know, it'll bring up Trump once in a while. But every other late night, you don't realize how how good Greg is until you watch the other shows. You know, Jimmy Kimmel is still leaning on every night on Trump. It's just not funny. Like, you know, every now and then I'll still look at them to try to find a joke, and it's a waste of time. And we used to live off them. I used to love coming in and hearing what the latest with the monologue was. Yeah. But so Gutfeld's better, and Joe Rogan is the number one podcaster, and he said uh, he's, he's a real person. Joe Rogan's opinion was he's a real person with other real people. Those other guys are being talk show hosts. People don't want that anymore. And the other guys are afraid to, you know, go off script, right? It's just so overly scripted, and they're doing just, you know, sort of the comedic talking points of just slamming Trump all the time. Corden will have some fun things. At another point in the show, I do have one joke from him last night. But that's you know, it. I, you know, I did, I did watch because I, um, um, I do DVR that, and I did watch it, but number one, I fast-forward the whole beginning because he doesn't do stand-up monologue anymore, and then he does it at the at the desk, it makes it like a radio show, a little bit, kind of ping-pongs around. But it kills me they're all wearing masks. Kills me. There's Not whole as much as they used in to, though. No, no, the, the crew, the cameraman, his three producers sitting in the first row were wearing masks. Are you kidding me? Are you nuts? They're in California. Unbelievable. So, you know, he has some lines, but he's out. And word is, not a nice guy. Number one. Number two is he's a little bored. And number three is I guess it's not worth the budget because I guess he's a big budget show. The ratings aren't great, even though I think he's the best of the bunch, not counting Greg. Definitely the most dynamic. Definitely the most ta- – well, Jimmy Fallon can do anything too. But Jimmy Fallon also can interview. So he can't. He can't ask a question. But I thought Corden's the one that wanted to end it. That's what I thought, but I was listening again, and the word is just like a little like Noah on The Daily Show. He's like, yeah, I'm just about done, and then it comes out a little bit later. You're not getting any ratings. It costs a ton of money. Why don't you just call it? So now he's going to go do other stuff. I mean, the guy can do anything, but I'll tell you what. James Corden, you want to play a clip? Uh, We can play the clip, assuming Eric has it. Corden made a little Biden joke. This afternoon, (laughs) President Biden 
hosted the Golden State Warriors at the White House to celebrate the team's 2022 NBA championship. They gave Biden a jersey with his name on it, and this is nice. In return, Biden gave each player a top-secret document. Funny. Yeah. Right? But that Funny. was it, yes. That, to me... So if he goes and hits the Republicans after that over the crazy chaos, they elect a speaker... It just relaxes people. That's what SNL used to do. They used to put up both people for a debate, and they used to mock Gore and Bush. That was funny. When you only knock one of them, it's not funny. You go, all right, I'm not going to play into this. Or if you just knock them when it's actually funny and just knock each side when it's funny. I mean, he didn't then have, like, a Trump joke because that wasn't where the jokes were going. He just saw an opportunity for a funny Biden joke and called it a day, whereas Kimmel— or Colbert, then have to find something to hit Trump even harder about. Right. And remember we had that writer on for the New York Times, and he was on and he said he feels bad for these guys because they can't break out of that anti, that pro-Democrat, uh, anti-Trump mode. What are they going to do? And now we're two years out. Trump has really not done much. And when he does come back, I know it'll be interesting. And uh, they'll go. Trump will make some mistakes and do some things he shouldn't, and they'll do that. But it's not going to be enough. You have an 80-year-old guy who's forgetting everything, including the name of the person he's singing happy birthday to. He's somebody everyone claims is dementia, who just called Republicans demented. He was just speaking on Martin Luther King Day and started segueing into the economy with Al Sharpton sitting there looking at African-American rights. That Don't tell me there's no humor in that. When a guy can't find the exit or which way to leave when he gets pulled over by a mascot because he was going to do an interview that he shouldn't. How could that not be part of your monologue? 100%. Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. Where the hell are we? From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Standing by is Congressman Jim Banks. He's running for senator, and he made that clear yesterday on Fox and Friends. We'll talk to him about everything breaking with his current job as Congress as well as Trey Gowdy at the bottom of the hour. You want to know the ins and outs of investigations the right way uh, and mistakes made in the past in Congress. Trey Gowdy's to do it. He's also a great prosecutor, as well as an excellent talk show host. He has it all. Uh, we know the President of the United States has been on defense, doesn't want to take many questions. The bigger question is, too, I mean, the next time he sits down, tradition would have it, would be at the Super Bowl in three weeks. They always, the President, really, now for, dating back to George W. Bush, maybe even prior, I think George W. Bush, the president sits down every every Super Bowl. Is he going to avoid it this time because of the controversy? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I had a conversation with the governor of Texas about him, but with Greg Abbott, where he was explaining to me what George Soros does. And it's terrifying. It's like he wants these cities to fall apart. He He wants crime to flourish. Uh, That is Joe Rogan, of course, talking about George Soros. The Media Research Center does a study, and it turns out they found so many people, uh, countless big-time personalities and executives who have taken George Soros' money, and you imagine 
to trumpet his anti-American message. It is ugly. Number two. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial. John Kerry's out of his mind in Davos, Switzerland. Debt ceiling, WEC, crypto and the economy. Where we're at in this nation and why Davos is everything we don't want to be. Number one. You know, when I said that the FBI didn't do a thing, I was talking about doing something in terms of actual searches and securing these documents. It means that all those initial discoveries, we will have to take the word of counsel of how they were found, the conditions they were found in. So here we go. Uh, Jonathan Turley, I got to build up on that story. But as of last night, no, you go ahead. The DOJ decides against letting the FBI find and grab classified Biden documents. After all, why not just let Joe's boys lead the see? That, according to The Wall Street Journal, did you still need me to compare and contrast the different ways Trump was treated? And we have the latest. Now, let's bring in Congressman Jim Banks, and I'll share this story with you that just came across. Fox Now can report the Justice Department officials did go to President Biden's Wilmington residence to the location classified material was found to retrieve it, retrieve it and take uh, and take possession. So even uh, though the DOJ decided not to send in FBI agents to monitor the search by his per, by the president's personal attorneys, the DOJ did have per, have personnel on the site at Biden's house. With me right now, uh, the Indiana Congressman, Congressman Jim Banks. Congressman, welcome. What do you think about that new revelation, new wrinkle to this story? Well, Brian, what's deeply troubling about all this is how the, the links at which the Biden administration has gone to cover all of this up. I mean, we're just now finding this out. We know that some of this was discovered six or seven days before Election Day. They've kept it all in the dark. Uh, contrast that to the unprecedented move that the Department of Justice made when they raided the home of a former president, Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump, last summer. They, they tipped off the media. They had, they had uh, television helicopters flying over Mar-a-Lago. All the cameras were there. there was, it, they made such a spectacle out of it. But they've done everything they can to cover up uh, the, the, the situation with the Bidens, which is, is far worse than anything that they even accused uh, Donald Trump of uh, in, a, in a similar situation. So it just goes to show there are two sets of rules, a, a, a two-tiered system of justice in this country, one set of rules for conservatives, for Donald Trump, a different set of rules for anyone named Biden, Clinton, Obama, for those right. on the left. That, that's shameful and un-American. So, you know, it's interesting, the, the pushback, I'm sure they'll not, they'll better have another move, but their pushback on Tuesday was, why are Republicans so uh, so aggressively and I guess acting as if they're outraged about these documents when the real story is Kevin McCarthy never revealed the agreement he he uh, he signed off on when it came to him becoming speaker. That has nothing to do with anything. That's a in, that's a Republican. Uh, that's between Republicans and Republicans. Are you surprised that was a tactic used by the White House to brush you guys back? I'm not. I'm not surprised by anything these days. I mean, the the, the links at which these guys go through to to cover up their hypocrisy every day is laughable. And you know, I'm I'm back in Indiana. It's a recess week, and we kicked off the campaign for the Senate yesterday with you yesterday morning and and throughout the day. And let let me tell you, Hoosiers are seeing through it. I mean, the the normal people in this country, reg, regular Americans, yep. are seeing through it. They get it. They see it for what it is. They're sick and tired of it. They want to turn the page on this uh, on this president, on the Democrats that are 
running this country into the ground and and they see how they're doing it they're using the they're abusing the power and the tools that they have uh, with this administration as as from the president to the leaders in congress to try to disrupt to change this country and using the right. using the uh, the powers of the Justice Department to do it, we can't let him we can't let him get away with it. I mean, number one, if he's vice president of the United States, and there's some controversy whether he could declassify. Word is that Dick Cheney and George W. Bush allowed the vice president to declassify information. Regardless, he shouldn't take it, and that goes for Trump too. Obviously, uh, there's got to be a system. We'll never have this happen again. Uh, number one, we're mostly digital, and number two, the archives will be there with security anytime there's a transition in power. I would imagine, unless someone had diabolical diabolical intentions. But now we understand. On Saturday, more documents were found, and at that time, we had Department of Justice people present, but not the prosecutor in terms of prosecuting whether to find out whether a crime has been committed. So we know this. All week, we were told, okay, there was some documents found in a closet. Then we find out there was some found in a garage. And never you can explain that away. And then we found out it was in a separate room. And now we find out five more documents in another room and the DOJ present. Congressman Banks, I don't think by any stretch we're done with discovery. Do you? No, I don't. And never forget that the Biden Center is funded by tens and tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. Also, the, the big story, and I, I believe this is all related, the big story this week that, uh, as well that, that Hunter Biden was paying his dad $50,000 a month for rent to live in his house. You know, go back to the, you know, uh, uh, go back to the, the, what we know to be true, that Hunter Biden was skimming 10% off the top of what he was getting from the Chinese Communist Party, from the Russians, from corrupt businesses in Ukraine to give 10% to the big guy. There's so much, Brian, there's so much corruption here. I, I think we're just skimming the surface. We, we owe it to the American people with this new House majority to right. investigate the corruption of the Biden family because we can't let anyone ever get away with that level of corruption at the highest level of our government again. Absolutely. So there's, there's a few things going on. Number one, the fact that these documents were there is significant. And if you talk to someone like Congressman Gallagher, when he was in intelligence with the Marines, he said, if I walked out with one of those documents, I'm looking at years in jail. So anytime people think, what's the big deal? May someone made a mistake or packed wrong? Just understand how serious our government takes it. If you and I were in the military, you were in the military, right? Yes, that's right. I, I, I served in the, in the military and, and Mike Gallagher, my, my colleague and friend, is exactly right. I mean, if we would have if I would have ever violated uh, any of those laws in uniform, I, I would be behind bars for it, and deservedly so. Uh, th- this, this, uh, th- 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 these incidents on behalf of, a, of the president of the United States of America, when he was vice president, in between his family, and the fact that no one's ever held accountable for it—it's just um, America has had enough of it. They're, they're sick and tired of it, and they're demanding justice. A couple of things. So let's say they're just classified documents that oh, there should be national secrets. Okay, stuff like. Um, you know, there's Vladimir Putin's got his gymnast girlfriend, right? Stuff about world leaders at the highest level uh, that we have no business knowing. Let's say there's other leaders that have similar situations, personal compromised or whatever it is. Now, that's one thing. Now, number two, can you imagine if those documents are actually retained for a reason? And if one of those reasons connects to any of these business dealings that for the longest time, most of the media was flat out ignoring and saying that if anyone pursued it, they were conspiracy theorists or just trying to distract from Trump. We're just assuming that it's bad enough. They're highly classified. But can you imagine if this helps tell the story 
of what the vice president was actually up to after and during his reign. Yeah, I, I, we owe it to we owe it to the American people to figure that out. Keep in mind too. I mean, you know, four or five years ago when we talked about these issues, or just a couple of years ago, and, and before the 2020 election, they called it. Anytime we would raise these questions, they would call it Russian propaganda. The Republicans are pushing Russian propaganda by talking about the corrupt dealings of the Biden family. The, the media was telling us that big tech was censoring us online when we talked about it. They called, they, were, they were saying we were. We were uh, pushing Russian propaganda. So then you go 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 back to Mar-a-Lago for a, for a minute, uh, Brian. What happened there? I mean, I I've, I don't know this. I'm speculating. I don't know this. But were those documents keepsakes that Donald Trump wanted to put in the Trump Library? There was correspondence between him and Kim Jong Un, or uh, something like that that they wanted to store in the library. We don't know, but we owe it to the American people to tell them what it was. Why why did that unprecedented raid happen? What are what is the nature of these documents that the Bidens uh, kept? Is it corruption or not? Answer the question and tell the American people. The FBI won't do that. The Department of Justice won't come forward and tell the truth, tell the American people what the nature of these documents are. You can do that without giving up uh, uh, state secrets right. and classified information that, that might pertain to our national security. We, we owe it to the people to tell them what those documents were related to. Congressman uh, Jim Banks is with us. He's going to be running for the Senate in Indiana when uh, when the current Senator Braun uh, runs for governor. I want you to hear something that I thought was significant, and that is on CNN, they were actually running stories that we were running a year and a half ago, about two years ago, about the Biden family. Here's a little of it, and tell me if you think there's a method to this exposure Cut six, and timing. Cut 16. The last name gave credibility, you know, initially. Healthcare entrepreneur Michael Frey told CNN Joe Biden's other brother, James, broke financial promises he made while referencing the Biden name. Frey's company filed a lawsuit alleging fraud by James Biden, who denied the claims. Frey spoke to CNN before the lawsuit settled in 2020. Everything was on the Biden name, and, and so we took that to heart. James Biden was also named in a lawsuit filed in July. He allegedly received about $600,000 in loans in 2018 from a company he worked with, AmeriCorps Health, based upon representations that his last name, Biden, could open doors and that he could obtain a large investment from the Middle East based on his political connections. The suit states that the investment was never delivered. The lawsuit was settled, though James Biden denied the allegations in court filings. He did not respond to a request for comment. So I just want to give you a slice of a story that they could have run two and a half years ago that we've discussed, that books have been written about, and they've thoroughly ignored. And I'm just giving it to you now. I'm sure you weren't watching CNN this morning. What's your take? (laughs) Yeah, it it makes me angry because we were talking about um, the, the Biden uh, family corruption dealings before the 2020 election, and and we were told that we were, again, that we were pushing Russian propaganda, that that these were lies, the the not not true. We were censored when we talked about it, and and now even CNN is conceding that it that it's real, that it's true, that the the, the Bidens are the most corrupt family ever to occupy the White House. The way they went after Donald Trump and the Trump family every single day for four years. Uh, at, at making outrageous allegations uh, toward the Trump family. And then we find out that the Biden family is 100 times worse than anything, that they've actually literally uh, done things that they accuse, that they wrongly accuse the Trump family of. 
and 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 now now they finally get around to talking about it. It it, it it's it's shameful. It makes me angry because I really do believe the outcome of the 2020 election would have been a lot different and a lot better for this country if uh, if we weren't censored from talking about the truth of the Biden family dealings before the last election. So this Thursday, we, the debt ceiling is going to be hit and you can maneuver, move some money around to delay. But you guys are going to have to vote on that. And the president's made it clear through the press secretary and others that they're not going to negotiate. They just they just want it to be raised. And we know there's a deal cut for Kevin McCarthy. If you ever thought about raising the debt ceiling without getting some type of cuts in spending, he's going to lose half his caucus, maybe more. So how does this end up, Congressman Banks? I think we owe it uh, to America to, to use the debt limit as a leverage point for a fight over fiscal responsibility and balancing the budget, cutting wasteful spending and sending us down the path to do that. So we have a we have a moral duty in the House. We've been given the majority. Now we have to use it. There will be squishy Republicans uh, who want us to just roll over and raise the debt limit and, and move on. This is why I'm running for the Senate. This, it's no time for uh, squishy, weak Republicans anymore. We need we need fighters in the House and the Senate who are going to push back and and use uh, use the, the abilities, the powers that we have as elected officials to restore this country, to to, to uh, uh, send us down a path of fiscal responsibility. And we have a chance to do that with this debt limit. Fight. So, you know, I, I'm sure you uh, you may or may not remember when well, Obamacare rolled out and the computers didn't work. It was a story for one day, but then the government shut down and it became the number one story. And Obama kind of mocked Republicans saying, guys, they could have been killing me, but now they're killing you. So how do you do something that you think is responsible and not get blamed for not paying our debts as a country? Yeah, I, I, we, it's a leverage point. It's a moment, uh, a few moments that we'll have in this next Congress to have serious conversations about the fiscal health of America, $32 trillion in national debt. So Republicans have a duty to go out and explain uh, what we're asking for to defend our position. And to make it very clear that we will not vote to raise the debt limit unless in return for that we make significant reforms and changes and cuts that will restore the fiscal health of America. I, I, I really truly believe uh, we don't have a choice. That That's what we have to do, and that's what the American people are counting on us to do. All right, Congressman Jim Banks, he's going to be running for a Senate in Indiana. He's the first out. Uh, and he and he wants to win. Mitch Daniels has looked at 75 years old, has looked at somebody else who might be in there, too. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Congressman. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. When we come back, I'll take your calls. We do have some breaking news and I'll go over it again when we return on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy, tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. He's so crazy. Pete, you're listening online in Pennsylvania. Hey, Pete. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind? 
Uh, well, relative to the classified documents, the appearance of a cover-up is given by the fact that attorneys were searching for the documents. Yep. Uh, thereby giving rise to the attorney-client privilege. And we don't uh, know what prompted them even to look in that closet. Well, uh, I, I personally believe that uh, uh, one of your callers earlier made reference to you know, the, the reasoning behind all this. I, I, I think it's kind of the DNC's uh, anybody but Joe campaign, but that's a different story. It's hard to pull off. It's hard to pull off and not leave fingerprints. But if he, at least, I think the Biden administration at least has to give us a premise to disprove or prove. So far, they said nothing. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I mean, the Trump story is pretty straightforward. He picked a fight with the archives and the DOJ. They're going back and forth. They got tired of it. They raided Mar-a-Lago, and it comes down to a question of law that that Jonathan Turley outlined earlier. In this case, if you go back to the when Biden was in Mexico, he said, and he purposely chose to say that the pen documents were the only documents that were out there. Then the next day, the Corvette documents came out. Now, either you're right and it's sabotage and, and people are leaking around him to the press to undermine him. He's lying. Maybe he can't remember because he can't remember anything. And maybe he doesn't know the full story. So that is Reince Priebus doing some pretty solid analysis about the situation where the Wall Street Journal reports yesterday around 515, it was on the five at the time, just about to start the block. And they say the Wall Street Journal reporting that the FBI, uh, the Department of Justice decided not to send the FBI and even to supervise when the Biden attorneys went to check out his various residences and offices to see if there's any other unsecured, highly classified documents there. And then this story just came out. Uh, We can now report at Fox the Justice Department officials did go to the president's Wilmington address to the location where classified material was found on Saturday to retrieve it and take possession. So even though the DOJ decided not to send FBI agents to monitor the search for president's personal with the president's personal attorneys, the DOJ did have personnel on the site. They say the FBI there would have created a hostile, possibly created a hostile environment. Joining us now, a man who's never hostile, always thoughtful, Trey Gowdy, a former chairman of the House Oversight Committee and uh, a fantastic host on Sunday Night in America. And he's got a book that's coming out next week, uh, Start, Stay or Leave, The Art of Decision Making. Trey, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm just I was only laughing at the explanation by the department that they didn't want to somehow raise hostility. Yes. By by doing their job. I mean, look, there are a thousand explanations for why they didn't participate in the search, but that's probably the worst one you could come up with. Right. I mean, number one, you've seen how all this went out. And with your prosecuting background, you you know Congress inside and out. You've been able to tape, uh, take a step back for a few years and analyze it from afar. How unique is this exped- series of expeditions to retrieve classified material? Uh, it's pretty unusual. I'm telling you, the, the, the process in Congress was markedly different, Brian. I mean, not only could you not take your phones into the skiff, I mean, whatever notes you took had to be left there. 
no documents ever left the skiff. And I was on what three committees that handle classified information. I mean, that's kind of my among the like legion of questions I have. The first one would be, how did the documents get there? Were they originally together and then separated? And if so, by whom? Because I mean, it's one fact pattern if the vice president and then vice president took three or four different tranches of documents to three or four different places. That's one that's one analysis. The other is that he just took it all and then you know, decided to use it in different spots. Uh, the other, I mean, I say the other, there are a thousand questions I have. Uh, we know that the archives knew that President Trump, um, because I guess of the high profileness of some of the documents he took, they knew that they, they knew that certain things were missing. But how did, whatever group gave this, these documents to the then vice president, whether it's DOD or FBI or geospatial, whoever it was, why did they never ask for them back? I mean, are they that poor at keeping records that they didn't realize that something they had given had not been returned? Well, do you have the answer to that? Is there a table of I contents where, where the old-fashioned card catalog where, wait a second, a page is missing here. It doesn't make any sense. The numbers are out of sequence. I'll bet you what's going to happen, Brian. I wouldn't bet you a lot because I don't have a lot. I couldn't go dollar to dollar with you, but I, I think we're talking about copies. I mean, I think in a lot of people's heads, you're talking about one original set of documents, and they're um, like if I were to write you a letter, there is the original letter I wrote you, um, but that's not to say there couldn't be ten copies out there, and that that may be what we find out is that someone copied documents. And, but, but still, is that allowed? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, it depends on the circumstances. I mean, obviously, we did it on the House Intelligence Committee. If you have a, a report, um, an intelligence product that you want to share with the entire committee, then you make copies and you leave it at our desk. But, but the papers never left the skiff. Whatever notes you took about the papers never left the skiff. And you couldn't even have, uh, an Apple Watch on while you were not, not only no phone, right. I mean, nothing from a technolo- technology standpoint could be in that room. So it said uh, Biden's attorneys had quickly turned over the first batch and were cooperating, according to the people familiar with this matter, after Biden's lawyer discovered documents marked as classified dating back to his term as vice president. It said Biden's legal team prepared to search in other properties for any similar documents and discuss with the Justice Department the prospect of having FBI agents present while Biden's lawyers conducted the additional searches. Instead, the two sides agreed that Biden's personal attorneys would inspect the homes, notify the Justice Department as soon as I identify any potential classified uh, documents. I mean, that's pretty trustworthy. Don't you think that's a little different than with the president, uh, the former president and Mar-a-Lago? Well, Brian, I'm sure that your first question is why were his lawyers looking for the documents in the first place? What we still don't know to begin. Yeah, Uh, right. We don't know. And so, okay, you find something good for you that you called uh, the bureau. Uh, what I don't understand is why the bureau said, you know, nah. I mean, <laughs> we don't we don't really have any. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on right now. You go ahead and do it for us. I I it, I mean, I don't know. There's there's more we don't know than what we do. And the bureau explanation may be 
that we also let President Trump's lawyers look for the things initially and would have been satisfied, but that someone told us you didn't get it all. Um, I, I don't. I just find it stunning that you're dealing with classified information and the bureau's response is, let us know what you find. I just, I find that stunning. And with all your experience, I find it stunning. And I'm an outsider who reports on this, but I'm never in the middle of it. You're kind of in the middle of it. And look, I don't, I don't support what the president did. It makes no, absolutely no sense, especially knowing that former President Trump was not a big reader. You know, people, he wanted, he wanted everything orally explained. And he also liked mementos. Even Chris Christie, who's become a critic, said the president likes mementos, like that letter, Kim Jong-un letter. So why even screw around and take these boxes back? But in the bigger picture, I always see that image of those those cardboard boxes piled up on the backyard of the White House while the helicopter was loaded, which looked like a bunch of interns doing it. And if you are looking to do something sinister, that's not usually the way you do it. So we have to get a new system in place. But the problem is for the president, he was on 60 Minutes and everywhere else talking about how irresponsible the former president was. And he might be even more culpable. And I just ask you this, Trey, are you curious at all what's in the Biden Center at the University of Delaware, where he actually was a teacher for a couple of semesters, I understand? I mean, he had his paperwork there. What did he have as chairman of foreign relations that maybe we want back? Yeah, I had Johnny Ratcliffe on the show Sunday night, and Johnny and I were – it's not funny, but it's kind of gallows humor. We were joking whether or not there would be a new discovery while we were on air. I mean, we don't know when it when it ends, and are we really going to trust President Biden's personal lawyers to tell us, now nah, we've looked everywhere that you can possibly look? I mean – I mean, do we do that? And, and look, I, I, I don't think either the former president or the current president should be charged criminally. I just I, – I, I get the statute. I get the standard for gross negligence. Uh, I think there's I, – I, I mean, which kind of gets to my overarching point, Brian, which is it wouldn't be great if we lived in a country where we treated similar fact patterns – Similarly, instead of immediately, you saw immediately when this news broke, news outlet after news outlet saying, oh, but this is different. Oh, but this is different. Uh, What Biden did is somehow uh, less culpable than what Trump did. And the only explanation for it, Brian, is you like one person politically and you do not like the other. I just I think it'd be great if we lived in a country where we said, you know what, I'm going to treat my friend and foe the exact same way and apply the same standard. That'll be great. Uh, So, Trey, by the time your book comes out next week, I'm sure this thing's going to move. By the time you do your show on Sunday, I'm sure the story's going to move. I'm pretty sure we're not done capturing some of these documents. And the last thing I'll say on this is that we're looking at this and say, okay, these are highly classified documents. We don't know what they are. Can you imagine if those documents played into the storyline and the investigations that had people curious and perked up over those years when he was vice president and the and the years in between? Can you imagine if they were relevant towards any type of investigation or, dare I say, the information gleaned from the laptop, which suddenly we found out was authentic? That's the other thing to keep in mind. Well, you use the word relevant, Brian, and that is exactly the right word. It is relevant if you're trying to ascertain motive. All right, so you said that I think Governor Christie said President Trump liked to keep mementos, like an original letter from a from a foreign yep. leader. All right, that's one form of motive. It's another motive if you say, hey, I'm getting ready to write a book and I need some documents to refresh yep. my recollection. It's wrong. 
in terms of motive, it's fairly benign. It's money. It's the oldest motive in the world. But you just uh, kind of theorized about yet another motive. So if, if I knew the documents that were there and I knew where which documents were, which ones were closest to him, then I could begin to work on a motive and I could have a better understanding of why it was taken in the first place. And that does impact potential culpability. Yeah, and just by the way, just think about this, just in life. If you were willing to have top secret documents in a box in a garage next to your classic Corvette, I mean, what does that say about what else you might find as you went through that house? Well, let's move on. I want to talk about something you're very, you are kind of used to, and that's whole battle over the debt ceiling. You know, Kevin McCarthy, even if he wanted to sit there and say, I'm just going to raise it, let's just move on. You know the deals he caught and the promises he made publicly and privately. It's not going to allow him to do it. So could you game plan this out and see how the American public are not going to be tortured through this process and the government shut down? Yeah, it is. It, these were some of the m- most miserable experiences of my time in Congress. On the one hand, you know, we're a country that believes in paying our debt. Uh, we pay more than our fair share. So this is debt all already accumulated. Um, and, you know, morally, we think we should pay our debt. The other argument is this is like the one millionth time we've raised the debt ceiling. It's not even a debt ceiling anymore. It's like a suggestion. Yep. So why don't we get do away with the debt ceiling uh, since it's a joke, or why don't we begin to identify what causes us to run an annual deficit? And that's what gets into mandatory spending or what people call entitlements, and it is politically um, political suicide. Uh, to start talking about Social Security, Medicare, um, you, you got veterans benefits. I mean, those folks, you know, Brian, as you, I know you agree with me. I mean, they earned that. Yep. So, so it, it's one of these situations. We know what causes the debt. There is no political will uh, to do anything about it. So then we fight about this discretionary spending, which this is a fact I think would stun your listeners, Brian. You could zero out what we call discretionary spending, which is the Department of fill-in-the-blank, Department of Justice, Department of Education. You could zero that out, and you would have still had a deficit for some of the years that I was in Congress. Take it all down to zero. That's how much spending is done in what's called mandatory interest on the debt. That's incredible. I mean, and that's what people should be cognizant of, and it's got to be a bipartisan thing. But you guys do these Simpson Bowls, and you set up these these blue-ribbon councils, and they'll come back with opinions to give you guys political cover. Should you run for re-election, you could say that's what this bipartisan committee came up with, but then you ignore it. Ways to reform the Pentagon. They come up with all these suggestions. They work really hard on it. You pay these people to do it. You get the researchers and the staffs, and then you ignore it. So if they were the Simpson Bowl— I mean, both administrations, right? I mean, as soon as it comes out, Obama goes, I don't want it. You know, I don't want Simpson balls. We're not, that's political suicide. Well, that's what you need. You need people to step aside that aren't running for re-election to come up with a panel that's somewhat binding to say we have to implement these. We have no choice. Don't you think? Oh, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I think if people were not running for re-election, you would see a different voting pattern because they know what drives the debt. Um, and it's it, look, there are a thousand reasons to debate foreign aid, a thousand reasons. But balancing the budget would not be among that thousand because doing away with all foreign aid 
to balance the budget. If you're not dealing with mandatory spending and interest on yep. the debt, then you're not serious about balancing the budget. So then we play this game, all right, the budget's going to balance in 10 years. Well, we're going to kind of pretty much do nothing for eight, and then whoever's in the House or Senate or the White House for the last two years is going to have to do all the cuts. So we 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 push it all off <laughs> on someone else. Look, I was there eight years. It's not that good of a job, Brian. I mean, honestly, it's not. So I don't know why people are so heck bent on staying there. It's like the fifth or sixth best job I've had. <laughs> and this being the first and the best as host the of chance. Sunday Night America. Working with you and Dana Perino and Martha McCallum. I, yeah, I mean, I, how does it get any better than that? Yeah, I know. By the way, put me first. That was really cool. Uh, and I know you really mean that because you like me so much better than Martha and Dana. Uh, Trey, you going to be in studio next week? I am going to be in studio, and I can't wait to visit with you. And uh, you may be the hardest working person at Fox. You've got like eight shows and three radio shows and podcasts. So <laughs> if I can somehow get on your calendar, I'm going to check with your scheduler and see if I can say hello to you while I'm up there. Absolutely. You're going to be in. Uh, start, stay, and leave. The Art of Decision Making is out for pre-order now. Trey Gowdy, thanks so much. We're watching you Sunday. Thank you, Brian. You take care, brother. Go get him. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Joe Biden's brothers have repeatedly referenced him in their private dealings. Frank Biden, a developer of for-profit charter schools, has invoked his brother in trying to convince local officials to approve his projects. Like in Sunrise, Florida, where he told the city in 2015 to trust his venture. Not because of Frank, but because of the honor of being the brother of a guy I think we all know and love. In 2021, at a gathering of medical professionals, he made this pledge. The bully pulpits that I have as a result of the privilege of being associated with with my brother Joey. And I'll do everything in my power to support you to get the job done, to get federal dollars to your research. Frank Biden told CNN there has been zero interaction between his brother's public office and his private business, adding... Do I engage in any way in quid pro quo on any level? Absolutely not. That is a CNN report which suddenly realizes there might be people trading on the Biden name, like, for example, the big guy, Joe Biden. I'm just astounded by the timing. I'm sure you are, too. Uh, And for them to run a six-minute piece on Biden, his family, not only Hunter but his brother's, I'm just wondering about the timing, along with the fact that he was supposed to announce he's running for re-election any day. So far, we have no days on the calendar, Uh, even indications that he has a big press conference plan. We'll see what this all means in the big picture. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. (laughs) Hi, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here and with us on a very exciting week. A lot going on. Andrew McCarthy at the bottom of the hour. And John Levine is here right now. And you know John from the New York Post does a lot of investigating uh, as it relates to Hunter Biden's laptop and so far with this administration. Taking a look at what's happened with the docudrama. So 
John's in studio, and we just informed him we're also on Fox Nation. I can confirm that as a second source, John. So before we get to John, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I had a conversation with the governor of Texas about him, but mm-hmm. with Greg Abbott, where mm-hmm. he was explaining to me what George Soros does. And it's terrifying. It's like he wants these cities to fall apart. He, he wants crime to flourish. It's unbelievable, and he's 100% right. Joe Rogan, again, Soros Unmasked Media Research Center finds out that there's a lot of anchors and a lot of uh, editors who have sold their soul for this anti-American evil baron and why it has to stop. Number two. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so... Almost extraterrestrial. What's wrong with him? Uh, Debt ceiling, WEC, crypto and the economy, where we're at as a nation and why Davos is everything we don't want to be. Number one. You know, when I said that the FBI didn't do a thing, I was talking about doing something in terms of actual searches and securing these documents. It means that all those initial discoveries, we will have to take the word of counsel of how they were found, the conditions they were found in. And that, of course, is Jonathan Turley. No You go ahead. The DOJ decides against letting the FBI find and grab classification Biden documents after a classified uh, Biden documents, I should say. After all, why not just let Joe's boys lead the look-see? Do you still need me to compare and contrast the different ways Trump was treated? Uh, We have the latest. So, John, uh, let me just tell you the news I just shared with you. We're reporting now. Fox is. We can now report the Justice Department official did go to President Biden's Wilmington residence to the location where classified material was found, at least five documents to retrieve, to retrieve and take possession. Welcome back. Your thoughts. Thank you for having me. You know, at the very least, that's obviously a good thing when you have neutral observers there. Because, you know, we just heard before was that it was only Biden's attorneys that the DOJ had considered sent or the FBI had considered sending and they didn't send someone. So now there was someone there, apparently. But the truth is, why are Biden's attorneys even involved in the search at all? They don't have clearance. I, they, a lot of them don't even have clearance. So if they find a document, it would be a crime to even look at they it. They call. As soon as they find something, they drop it and call. Right. They've developed this whole sort of weird mousetrap type system. So if they find a document, then they call and they stop the search. Why not just have impartial observers, neutral observers who have security clearance doing the search? I don't understand why Biden's attorneys are there at all, quite frankly. Why are they still leading it? They already have put a special prosecutor in charge. Right. right. Where is a special prosecutor? Biden's attorney's job is to represent President Biden. You you wouldn't send OJ's attorneys to the crime scene to collect evidence. <laughs> like- I, I know. It's, it's the most obvious thing. And that's why, by the way, why you don't have Kardashian testify against OJ, even though he knew he did it, is you make him part of your legal team. Some people have called up to me and thought, and, you know, do you want to all of a sudden are these lawyers, part of his legal team, no longer witnesses? We need to find out what prompted them November 2nd to go there. Right. Did they just want to pack up? Do you send an 80-year-old attorney to pack up your office, John? Right. And now there's also, as Jonathan Turley, who you mentioned, pointed out, there's going to be attorney-client privilege concerns about what, you know, these lawyers find there because they're Biden's attorneys and he's the client. Right. Uh, Absolutely. It's going to be relevant. Uh, John, you weighed in last night on what he's seen so far. As you know, he's a UC Berkeley law professor, work in the Bush administration, cut 13. But he's not just a target of a criminal investigation. He's also the president and he owes the American people an explanation so that we can judge his conduct. Is he incompetent? 
Does he not remember or he doesn't care and is he cavalier? We need to know the answer to that question. And so I would say, here's what I call for, at least declassify these documents. Declassify the Trump documents, too. Let the American people see what has been held. And so yeah. we can make our own judgment. Unless, of course, the information we shouldn't be seeing because it, it, it uh, opens up people to investigation or top nation secrets. Yeah. I got, I got news for you. I couldn't hear a thing he was saying. Um, in other words, you don't want to hear? No, no, I can't. I didn't oh, you're not hear. listening. No, well, it's, it's not working. Oh, how about this? Just, do you see this little volume button here? Oh. Yeah, well, how about that? Can oh, you hear me yeah, now? yeah, I hear you now. All right. I fantastic. didn't hear anything John you just well, said. Well, your honesty comes through, John. Yeah, you know. I'm, so what John you said is. I'll call is, like it is. Well, well, what I'll just summarize. He said what you should do is declassify everything, let the American public know what each side has been keeping. But when you have the highest level of classification, it's the highest level for right. a reason, I imagine. Right. And, you know, another thing that's been pointed out to me is as president, Donald Trump had the right to declassify documents right. if he wanted to. As vice president, Joe Biden wouldn't have had that right. And I know, you know, that might be a semantic point, but. It's something that the Trump team has brought up right. to, to note a difference between these two cases. Can you imagine if you're a Marine and you're in jail because for exposing classified information and you know that the former vice president, now president, left stuff in his garage, which could have been up to six years, right. and, and you've seen that garage? I mean, that's, that's a mess. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, if you're lower down in the government and you mishandle a, uh, a classified document, you're in jail for years. And, and there's many, many stories of that. And I know people who they said, if this were me— I'd be done forever. But when it's, you know, the president, when it's, it's whatever. So we know Corinne Jean-Pierre is, uh, can't say, we can't sacrifice the investigation, doesn't want to throw a boss under the bus. But she's not saying anything. And she's been made to look terrible. These are the documents we handed him over. The next day, more documents we handed him over. Did you know that there were more documents to hand over? Like I said, I refuse to answer. Here's a little of the sparring that's been going back and forth, which she is not used to. Cut one. Last week, um, you told, I think, it was Phil, that we all can assume, the American people could assume, that the searches were complete and all the documents had been recovered. Uh, on Saturday, the White House Counsel's Office uh, uh, said that five additional classified documents have been found. Uh, is it safe to assume now that all the documents are uh, uh, have been recovered, all the official records, all the classified documents are back in the custody of the National Archives, or are more searches underway to find out if there's anything else there? Look, I, I understand your question. We have addressed multiple questions from here. Multiple questions have been answered by the president. We're not. I'm not going to comment from here. Why not? I, I kind of feel bad for her because she, she doesn't – I, I genuinely, I don't think she knows. I don't think she knows how Shouldn't deep go the out rabbit hole goes. Shouldn't go out there then. How many you times know, did, did you see Trump? Yeah, well, there will be no press uh, press availability today. You're right. But, she and, she and, probably shouldn't go out there because she doesn't have an answer. So the other thing that was uh, a few of the – I won't give her name because you didn't know she said I could. But the press secretary I've been exposed to in the past, I said, how come she has no answers? I go, what do you do if the president's not open? Or She goes, I told everyone – that not only will I be calling departments before I go out there, I'll be calling you. So if transportation is an issue, I need to speak to you. So she bypassed the president and talked to cabinet secretaries. And then you have to decide, John, you know, if it's your job to protect somebody. Diane Sawyer had that job for a while, remember? Uh, I, I think it was under the Nixon administration. You have to say to yourself, okay, I can't expose my boss, but at least I know the story. What it bothers me most is know the story and when you're in those jobs, yeah, you want to ask a good question that makes news, but you also got to do a story. I can't do the story if you don't give me your point of view at all. Right. One of the major unanswered questions here still is how these documents ended up there. And we know 
you know, I don't want to digress too much, but we know that Hunter Biden was staying in that house. And we know that he would have even potentially had access to that garage with the Corvette. And we it's it's a major matter of national security. And President Biden invested so much energy and capital in in denouncing classified documents at Trump's residence. And they ran so, on it. And and this is this is an unprecedented heinous violation. This is you know, it's and, and a lot of liberals were saying, you know, jail is eminent, prosecution is eminent. Indictment. Eminent. And now we have there are some differences, but we have a very similar situation unfolding right now and potentially much more grievous as it involves the current sitting president. And it's I don't it's it's a I don't know how Biden can I mean it certainly has grave consequences for his potential reelection. And there's a lot of questions about the timing of this as well. Right. So listen to this. Uh, Allison was watching CNN because I was on the air, and I guess I was in commercial. I'm a little upset by that. Uh, but CNN is running, ran about a seven-minute piece on the history of the Biden family and the possible implications on trading on the Biden name, something you've been writing about for, what, three years? Yeah. Right? Oh, my uh, God. We've been discuss- <laughs> so listen to a little of this. Cut 14. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Despite his denials, a CNN review of the laptop data, as well as other public material, shows that Joe Biden did interact with some of his son's associates while serving as vice president, though it's unclear exactly what was discussed. One example, the Republican site, Miguel Aleman Magnani, a Mexican businessman and son of the former president who Hunter was trying to woo. In 2014, Aleman Magnani and his dad were photographed at the White House with then-Vice President Biden. In a later email, Hunter Biden reminds Alemani Magnani of the favors he's done for him. We have been talking about business deals and partnerships for seven years. I have brought every single person you have ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the vice president's house and the inauguration. Hunter Biden bluntly acknowledged the power of the Biden name in a memoir, writing that the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, which put him on its board, considered my last name gold. I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Are you ama- are you astounded right now? I didn't now? know you were going to play it for me. I brought some champagne. Is this unbelievable? This is what you've been <laughs> reporting for two years. This is like, you know, truth finds a way, and eventually, real life and reality comes crashing in. But they knew can- the reality, John. They're too smart. They knew the reality. Oh, they knew it. But you know, eventually, it just becomes too big to hide anymore. And we're at a point now where we're going to have a major House investigation. There's an active DOJ probe into Hunter Biden, which has been allegedly wrapping up for some time now, but. That should come to a conclusion soon. At a certain point, real life intrudes into the narrative, and the narrative that you want just becomes unsustainable, and that is what you just witnessed. Right, and what you've been writing about, Miranda Devine published a book about, and they just talked about it was a treasure trove. What about this? One of the how many number how many was intelligence experts came forward to 51. say fifty one fifty one. One of those intelligence experts gave a interview with an Australian news source, at which time they said we knew. Part of the laptop was real because that's the way Russia did it. They put real information and surrounded it with false information. What do you think that says? Now, if they said that two and a half years ago and said, look, there's a lot of stuff here that's real, but we're worried because Russia puts a lot of real stuff with with fiction. 
and then make people look bad. That's the Russian way of doing things. So we need to get inside. That's a lot different than classic Russian disinformation. You're already starting to see a retreat. You're already starting to see revisionism. Trying to save their careers. Of the original narrative. And it's not going to work because all of these people are going to be called in to testify at the various hearings, or a lot of them will be. And certainly the major participants of that letter, people like Brennan and Clapper and Panetta, who were who were agency heads during a lot of the time when Hunter was running around the world with these schemes. So they must have known what he was up to. And what were the origins of this letter? Who was the sort of person that got the call in motion? All right, guys, we're all going to sign this letter. The origins of that letter, I think, are integral to figuring out that's like the nexus point of social media and mainstream media and the intelligence agencies and how they all came together to suppress this story with a fake narrative. And, John, here's the implications of this. This stuff breaks and there's a debate. And the president comes into that debate and he said the Hunter Biden is real. And Joe Biden said 51 intelligence experts said it's not real. Now, meanwhile, Joe Biden's lying because he knows it's real. No, it's real. He knows those pictures of his son with crack and all the worst pictures you could possibly imagine uh, are all real. And he had no problem lying about it, but it neutralized Donald Trump's argument. Right. Logic said you guys were right at the New York Post. Right. But they suspended your account, and 51 people said it was the Russians. Beating Trump was more important to these people. And obviously Biden wants to beat Trump, but what if the mainstream – the press – should not have a side. The intelligence agencies should not have a side. But taking out Trump was more important than the truth coming out. And I'm going to extrapolate this further. Forget if you don't like Trump, you love Trump. You don't like Biden, you love Biden. Think about America and Russian relations. You made up a scenario where the Russians dropped a laptop in to help Donald Trump win an election. The Russians have evil intentions towards America. They look at his arrival at the very, at the, at the very least. But don't put... Don't give, make them more evil than they are and then accuse them of something that they didn't do right. in order to get somebody elected because they are a nuclear-armed country being wrongly accused of infiltrating into a superior country, also nuclear arms, election, and we warned them not to. And now you put them there again. That is huge ramifications. Putin just lives in their heads rent-free. And I think after 2016, there was a lot of liberals who were looking for an explanation. And the explanation, they couldn't accept the explanation that, well, maybe Hillary should have gone to Wisconsin. Maybe Hillary should have done this differently. So the explanation had to be, well, Putin came in and he, right. he changed the votes and he fooled people. He tricked us. He stole it. And and Trump is a puppet. It's a Manchurian candidate. But, you know, there's been a lot of reporting in the last few weeks about how the Russian effect on 2016 was negligible. It was only it's in the Twitter files. It was very minimal. It's in the Twitter files. Twitter themselves couldn't find any evidence of Russian misinformation or or nefarious activity on the platform. And the FBI continually pressured them. Go look again. Keep looking. We think there is. Keep looking. You don't know what you're talking about just because you own this company. There's definitely Russians there and they couldn't find any. Right. John Levine, thanks so much. Uh, You're getting uh, you didn't need it. But redemption has arrived, uh, and and people should just look back and roll back your clips and put them into their stories because they're late to the party. John Levine, New York Post, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, Andy McCarthy, bottom of the hour, your call's next. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You can't start cutting back on 
on the defensemen that we have right now. We need it more than ever right now with the, really the geopolitical unstableness of the world. The United States is the, is the only superpower left in the world, identifiable superpower. And basically because we're the defender of, of freedom and, and democracies. And we have a role uh, that's responsible. Uh, Joe Manchin over in Davos, where he said some things about the free press, he later regretted and apologized, but he's 100% right about uh, defense. It worries me Republicans in the House want to cut it. Uh, Charlie, uh, listening on WSBA in Pennsylvania. Hey, Charlie. Yes, sir. Thanks for waiting. What's on your mind? Well, uh, thanks for taking my call, Brian. I really enjoy your show. Uh, I think uh, what we tend to see is uh, the people in power are kind of running the show. And uh, so they're at the controls and kind of we're not. So uh, not that. Uh, but that's I'm why you have a counterparty, Charlie, to keep both in check. Well, that's that's true. And I hope they make some progress in these investigations. But uh, history kind of tells us that that's going to be a difficult task. But uh, I, uh, I really uh, hope that they continue to press forward and with the investigations, uh, with stations that. They're going to push forward, Charlie. There's no doubt about it. I think that you have a special prosecutor, even if they're not that aggressive, if they're partisan, this is a big deal. And no one's stopping the investigation right now. And no one's stopping the Mar-a-Lago investigation. But I think they do effectively, and I think it's better for the country. They neutralize each other. I don't think we need President Trump indicted uh, on something like Mar-a-Lago, as as stupid as it was to take that stuff. And they took it back. Uh, And the same thing with uh, Joe Biden, from what I know right now. But this thing's going to get a lot bigger with Joe Biden because he has not come clean in all his documents. And they, they accuse Trump of not coming clean. That's why they say they raided. Don't tell me that Joe Biden gave everything up. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, we're back. Uh, some movement on this story on the docudrama. Uh, the Fox can now report the Justice Department officials did go to the president's Wilmington address over the weekend to the location where classified material, we believe five pages of my ad libs here, five pages were found. So they retrieved it. They were there. They took it into their possession. They did not go with the FBI. Wall Street Journal story said FBI agents originally were thought about bringing them by the Department of Justice, but they thought it would agitate and aggravate and create hostility, and they were cooperating with the Biden team, so they decided not to. With me right now is Andy McCarthy, Fox News contributor, uh, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, welcome back. Your thoughts about this new revelation? I don't understand it for the life of me, Brian, I have to tell you. I mean, I this is why you have the FBI. You know, they're, um, they're federal investigators who were supposed to maintain chain of custody, with respect to evidence and potential criminal proceedings, and certainly whether there's criminal proceedings or not, to maintain the security and integrity of classified information. So the thought that they wouldn't have the FBI in the middle of all that, especially when the the Biden people have been nonstop talking about how they're different from Trump because they're actually cooperating with the investigation. Well, if you're cooperating with the investigation, why wouldn't you welcome the FBI in? 
Uh, that is true. What's the problem? Just, just cut yourself out of it. Point yourself over there and say, go through it. What, what are you screening? I mean, it would be a huge yeah. risk, Andy, if you were going through there as, as uh, the president's attorney and decided, well, this is so bad, I'm going to keep it. Uh, and because if it's ever found out, I mean, you're going to jail. Right. So, but for some reason, this 80-year-old personal attorney showed up at the Biden Center, and he was the one who found the original, we are to believe, we're to believe, in November 2nd. He calls the archives. The archives calls justice. Uh, they give it over, and then we've had four separate discoveries uh, of this classified information, which we don't know where it is. So what are your first thoughts about the, not forget the double standard, but this is just odd way to approach it. Do you think it's because he's a sitting president? Yeah, I, I think that's the, the uh, I'm a believer in generally speaking, the most obvious reason is the reason when they call OCAM's razor, right? I mean, it's like the rule of common sense. So of course they're treating him differently because he's the, uh, the sitting president, even though they claim they're not, um, you know, the president's never above the law until he is, uh, at least as far as these guys are concerned. The, the uh, one piece I would add to what you laid out, Brian, was um, when Biden's personal lawyers, why you send lawyers to clean out your closet, uh, I don't know. Uh, but when his lawyers found this stuff, they didn't call the archives. They called the White House. They call the White House counsel's office, and we don't know yet who made the decision. But I, I, I find that very bizarre because, you know, hearing Biden tell it for the last 23 months, his White House, because they're very concerned about the interplay of politics and law enforcement, his White House stays a million miles away from law enforcement matters. They don't get enmeshed in that stuff. They, they want Oops. it done in normal procedures. But instead, what happens is Biden's lawyers find the stuff. They call Biden's lawyers at the White House, uh, and then somebody at the White House contacts the National Archives, not the Justice Department, not the FBI, the National Archives. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of questions here. And and by the way, I I saw uh, Byron York wrote something about this the other day, and I thought it was a a brilliant point, which is – you know, beware of stories that begin in the middle, um, because that always suggests that they don't want you to know how they started. We're told that this story started like when these documents were found in this office at this think tank in Washington. And leaving aside all the curious questions about Chinese funding of that whole outfit and all that stuff, how did the documents get there? You know, how did they get out of Biden's office? Uh, had you know, Biden didn't have that office when he when his uh, vice presidency ended. Uh, he had a different office. He had an office at the University of Pennsylvania in Philly, and then they opened this think tank in Washington in, in 2018. So we don't know what the what the travel of the documents was from the White House to wherever to wherever to where uh, to where they were found. Uh, we don't know why he had them. And to the extent that Biden continues to say that he didn't know, um, I, I guess you say you, you should say two things about that. One is they've now found the documents in four locations. Yep. And the only commonality between them is Joe Biden. He's the one person who is the common denominator of all the different locations. And secondly, even if you bought his story that he didn't know, um, well, they know now, right, on November 2nd, they found these documents. So 
you would think that at that point you bring the FBI in, especially if you're being very cooperative, you bring the FBI in so that they can do the search and, you know, recover anything that needs to be recovered. Instead, apparently, they, with the Justice Department's blessing, the Biden Justice Department's blessing, uh, instead of having the FBI do the searches, they have people who are aides of Biden's who don't have security clearances do the do the searches, which means you're inviting a situation where people who don't have uh, proper clearances are going to see these documents. Mm. And then they keep saying, um, you know, one of these guys who Biden brought into the White House, this guy Sauber, he has a security clearance. I'm here to tell you, you know, I had a security clearance, too. Having a security clearance doesn't mean you get to read every classified document in the government. If you're not read into a program, if there's like a top secret, uh, sensitive, compartmentalized information program, you have to be read into that. There has to be a special authorization. Even if you have a security clearance, you don't get to read that stuff. So this idea that it's all peachy, even though we have people who don't have security clearances who are uh, instructed apparently by either Biden or whoever is uh, given orders in Biden's name uh, to to look for this stuff, but it doesn't answer anything to say that this guy at the in the White House Counsel's office has a security clearance. Did not realize that. I had no idea. And then the question is, what's actually in the documents? Does it lead to a bigger story? Uh, Tucker had this angle last night. I want to share it with you. Cut seventeen. In 2018, Hunter Biden was looking to rent property in California. Now, on a background check form as part of his rental application, Hunter Biden claimed that, in fact, he owned the Delaware house that Joe Biden, his dad, says that he owned. So they're both claiming to own the same house. Hunter Biden then also listed the address of that house as his primary residence on his driver's license, an official government document. Now, this is the very same home where Joe Biden has spent a third of his presidency, in addition to his beach house in Rehoboth, without maintaining any visitor logs. We know it because an anonymous Twitter account called at JJ Talking found this background check form on Hunter Biden's laptop. Miranda Devine of the New York Post has also done extensive reporting on it. And the document raises quite a few questions, not all of which we can answer, by the way. But the obvious ones include, did Hunter Biden actually buy his father's home in Delaware? Was he making rent payments to live there? Does that amount that he was paying refer to another property? It was a big amount. On the form, Hunter Biden claims he's paying nearly 50000 a month in housing costs. 50000 a month. Where'd that money come from? You wouldn't think Hunter Biden would be able to earn that kind of money. Now, at the time, this was pre-laptop, but Hunter Biden had already been thrown out of the U.S. Navy for cocaine use. He'd already abandoned a rental car with a crack pipe inside along with his ID. He had already left his wife for his sister-in-law. Now, all this was public information. So how did a disgraced drug addict with no job skills make enough money to make a $50,000 a month payment? Who was paying him? How much were they paying him? And why were they paying him? And by the way, why do classified documents keep appearing in homes that Hunter Biden lived in? Those seem like fair questions. Are they fair questions? Yeah, they're fair questions, and I think we need answers to them. I, I suspect they're not going to want to give the answers because the answers that are, uh, you know, that explain discrepancies on that document that Tucker was referring to get the Bidens deeper into the soup with respect to the Chinese. I mean, the, the Biden, Hunter Biden's main source of income during that uh, period of time, as I understand it, uh, he had other foreign sources of income as well. But the main source then was the CEFC 
sure. um, Chinese company outfit that was well, which was basically a Chinese intelligence operation uh, in the United States that uh, the Biden family, with Hunter as the point man, uh, collected six million dollars in a in a one year period on. And as I understand it, the rent that they were paying for what was supposed to be the Biden CEFC office, I think it was in Washington, was roughly the same amount as what he puts down in rental payment on that lease. So maybe that's what he's referring to. But I think, Brian, they're probably soft peddling that because they don't want to they don't want to back into all the Chinese stuff, which raises even more questions. <laughs> incredible, right? This is absolutely incredible. Uh, and they think they're going to be able by sending a press secretary out there with who knows nothing. They think that's going to help. And it's, it's only incited all all elements of the press who usually do a great job ignoring stories that make Joe Biden look controversial or bad. Uh, Andy, thanks so much. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Brian. All right. Andy McCarthy, putting it all in perspective, raising more questions like only a great investigator and attorney can do. When we come back, we'll find out if you have something on your mind on our lines and if there is indeed more to know. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms. So if you're able to have five platforms, social platforms, that you can basically um, personify the extremes, and it seems like that is the majority speaking, they're not the majority, but they're basically driving everybody to make a decision. That is Joe Manchin upset about free the free press. He would later walk it back uh, because he says this at Davos. And people go, Joe Manchin all of a sudden doesn't like uh, the free press. He quickly apologized. Cut 24. I totally apologize because it was I, I didn't explain it properly. That was a problem. The open press that we have, which is absolutely the, the, the bedrock of democracy. OK, but there's so much there's so much access. So uh, it used to be to where something was said and it was accepted and that was it. Now it's said to where you can find a social media platform. You can find somebody that will agree with you. Uh, all right. I'm not sure that was an effective walk back. Uh, but Joe Manchin uh, high-fiving Kirsten Cinema by saying that they are going to continue to not support the blowing up of the filibuster, which is smart because I'm not sure Democrats will do that because they're about to lose the Senate in the next cycle. So you would think logic would have. So it's even more of a layup than the House was, and that was a lot closer than we thought. But we'll see what happens. Uh, so they're over there. The two moderates are over there at Davos. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Unplugged. Reclaim your privacy from big tech snooping with Unplugged. Visit Unplugged.com. Well, President Biden is at it again. We know that he was singing happy birthday and forgot the name of the descendant of Martin Luther King Jr., when it came to fill in the name, we know he called the Republicans demented, which is an unfortunate term for President Biden. But he didn't stop there in his faux pas full week. Listen to him talk about his vice president and the interesting way in which he said her first name. There's several other members of the California delegation here, are also here, along with several city and state leaders. But as Kamala said, we're... Uh... 
Kamala. Seemingly forgetting how to say your name, Kamala, Kamala, uh, Senator Kamala Harris. Remember, it was so racist if you didn't pronounce her name right. Remember, uh, t- remember uh, when Tucker did it? It was unbelievable, as if that was racist, as if you know how to pronounce it. So, uh, by the way, did you see this story how Politico saying that this is a good time to be a Kamala Harris person? That now that Joe Biden made it clear he's going to run again, that her, she can be truly a vice president, doesn't have to feel like she has to excel. <laughs> well, that's nice. I mean, has she been feeling like she's had to excel this entire time? She's, she's hiding it well. Yeah. yeah, she does absolutely nothing. She says she's going to go all into uh, abortion. She's going to be the face of abortion. So that's always been a goal. Next, Tom Brady responding to Rob Gronkowski suggesting that he date Sally Field because that movie is coming out uh, that talks about uh, the 76-year-old actress during a scene in the upcoming sports comedy, uh, 80 for Brady. Has a bunch of 80-year-olds who want to go to the Super Bowl. They're good friends, and Tom Brady's in the movie. Uh, so Gronkowski says she now that he's single, he should date Sally Field. I was wondering, too, Tom, have you been considering dating Sally Fields after that Oscar-worthy performance, or what? I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you know I mean, she's, we did have kind of a uh, on-camera little, uh, you know, thing going. So it was actually nice. We we really enjoyed our time together. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. So uh, Gronkowski, thirty-three years old. Brady, forty-five years old. Sally Fields, seventy-six years old. Um, I wouldn't think that he would do that now. I know it's good to play the field after a long relationship, but this be something you think the society would accept? I mean, Sally Field is sort of classic, right? She's adorable. Her personality's great. And, you know, she's in the movies with them. They had chemistry. No, I know. It's, it's a joke. But I will say the whole premise for this movie is fantastic. The group of 80-year-olds who did love Tom Brady. I think what one of the grandkids pitched it, and Brady loved it. And now, really? it's, you know, the cast is... Phenomenal, right? Um, what Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, a bunch of other really well-known um, actresses. Yeah, it's uh, produced by Brady's 199 Productions. Uh, Rita Moreno, Lily Tomlin, uh, Sally Field. So we'll see where it goes. I watched the promo, and I said to myself, I don't need to watch that. Eric, how do you feel? I mean, you have to weigh in on this. I think I'm with you on this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, but the thing is, if the mass audience, I'm a niche audience. Uh, Eric's Same. a niche audience, yeah. Same. but if the mass audience might agree with you, I wish them the best. Yeah, I also don't think this is a movie that's really geared towards the sports guy. It's geared probably towards the female crowd. Right. All right. Next, a woman is suing a bar after getting so drunk she blew uh, uh, she blew ten million dollars. She's from Canada, which explains a lot. He caused ten million dollars in damages after driving drunk, crashing into a house, and causing an explosion. She's now suing the bar. The car bomb fiasco occurred in August of 2019 when Daniela Lee was driving home from a Marilyn Manson concert at the Budweiser Gardens Arena in London, Ontario. After drinking at the show and getting behind the wheel, Lee's crashed her Ford Fusion, registered to her dad, into a brick home at 450 Woodman Avenue, rupturing a gas line. This is tragic. Uh, do they have a case? Eric, you watch a lot of law shows. I do. Um, and you went to law school. Who wants to go first? Um, I'm not an expert in Canadian law, but if it was in the U.S., I know you can uh, sue if you got overserved. But really, yeah, I think the bartender is legally required to monitor your intake. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, imagine that. Uh, all told, the blast reportedly caused damages to the neighborhood of 9.8 million to 14.7 million. Uh, victims included two officers, two firefighters who suffered numerous injuries, with one firefighter forced to spend more than a week in a hospital if discharged. 
I mean, how wrong is that? A bartender basically working for tips now is going to be sued or a bar owner? I think it also is going to the bigger pockets of the venue, right? She was at the concert, of which some ordinary bartender, I don't think this lawsuit would be for $10 million. Oh, you don't? Probably not. All right. Uh, well, put it this way. Don't get drunk and, and drive into a house also. I think, is that, is that one of the takeaways? It, it's a good rule for life. Right. It's, it's, don't hit a brick house drunk. Don't go, I, I wouldn't even go to a Marilyn Manson concert. And it was the gas line, too. Right, and it was gas line. I mean, that is like a movie. That is like a movie. You'd rather but watch that movie? That I'd never be in. Thanks for listening. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.